is concerning because we're not a bad team. Mm. We are not. We are currently 10 and 4 in the Pac-12. We're 17 and 8 overall. That is a good record. It is. Now, if you're looking at the national standards, of course, there's teams that are doing better. And, you know, you're you're not potentially not getting that bid. And we got to play through the tournament like I was just talking about. But all that aside, we are still a really good basketball team who, like you said, just need to put a couple more pieces together as a team. Welcome back to Emerald Sports. Is this episode five already? I believe so, this, yeah. Wow, this is moving so quick. Uh, I am Brennan Ferber. This is Carlos Pimentel, uh, your host, as always. Uh, Carlos, first of all, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well. well. Uh, day by day. I mean, we're almost, like, school-wise, we're, like, getting pretty deep into the term. And sports-wise, we're, like, almost at tournament time. So things are moving really Things are fast. really ramping up, yeah. Especially school-wise, man. I mean, we can barely get the time to get in here. But we're here, and uh, we'll get started with the women's team, who kicked off their three-game stretch with an absolute rout of Washington State. The final score was 83-30. to 30. Uh, The 17.5% defense uh, holding uh, Wazoo to shooting was the record for Oregon, and it's the second-fewest points allowed in school history. Wazoo only scored 13 points in the second half, and they did it without Niara Sabli, which is very impressive. Uh, they then went over to Corvallis and defeated OSU 74 to 66, but lost a few games later at home 68 to 62. They ended up splitting the series 1-1. Carlos, with the Ducks being two and three over these last five games, uh, how much should we read into it? Is there cause for con- uh, concern? I wouldn't be too concerned, uh, just because we've seen the women's team bounce back from slides, and they, you know. The previous episode, we've talked about how the teams that they're going to face are going to be tough teams. You know, they're kind of in that that uh, rhythm here will, where they're going to be facing mid-pack teams, a couple low-pack teams, and then the high-pack teams. But this is an opportunity, like we've mentioned every time, every game that they play now is an opportunity to bounce back and kind of show who they are. But this isn't, you know, I want to read into it too much. The Wazoo game... We don't really need to touch much on that. We all saw the score, 83-30, to 30, a blowout, no Niara, just kind of an absolute dominant performance. And then the in-state rivalry, I mean, you take one and drop one, so you can't really be too concerned when it comes to those, you know, those two games. You'd rather win them at home, but you win them away. You know, I, I don't, I'm not too concerned with this. I'm, I'm really not, especially with the players being able to really come into their full, like full potential. You know, we saw players step up without Niara. And then also in the counterpart, we saw, you know, when uh, India Rogers wasn't having her best game, Tahina Pow Pow started to pop off. And we've said this multiple times, either one can catch fire at any point. So I'm not really too concerned going forward. Yeah, um, and I am lumping that 2-3 game into the the Arizona stretch they had. So, you know, over these past three, they're 2-1. and one. They're on the other side of the slump that they're in. But yeah, I mean, just to touch on the Cougars game, wow. I mean, 83, it really was the Cougars' worst nightmare. I don't want to take anything away from the Ducks. Obviously, the shooting was atrocious. They, they were 11 from 63 from the floor and 3 from 29 from 3. They only made three three-pointers. But, I mean, that's also just a testament to our excellent perimeter defense and Tahina Pow Pow and Andy Rogers. Yeah, and not only that, is that the Ducks, dude, we scored in the paint. They're at 32 points in the paint. Compared to the 83, it's not really that much. Almost half of your points are being scored in the paint without your number one paint scorer. So we can still get it done in the paint without Niara. Oregon without Niara Sobley earned the big victory on the road today. 83 to 30, the final. But like you mentioned, the guards come up big. Um, We had players that just kind of, you know, we shot decent 50% from the field going into the numbers side of things. We saw players get, you know, 
Uh, Kelly Graves went deep into the bench. Just about every player got double digits in uh, minutes. So a lot of players got to transition in. Part of that is probably because the score was what it was. So a lot of players got more playing time. Um, I'm glad that you said that you lumped in the Arizona stretch into there because the Arizona stretch kind of is one of those defining moments that you don't really want to like hold on to as much, but you do want to kind of take that into consideration as one of the toughest stretches that they've played so far with being on the road and playing really tough basketball teams. So looking back at that and then how they've bounced back to where they are now, I think the level for concern is, you know, a little bit higher um, looking back to when we were like a few weeks ago, but you're still kind of, you know, faithful and hopeful that there isn't too much, you know, concern going forward. Yeah, I mean, I hate to read too much into wins like this Washington State game. I mean, you're right. The Arizona game was a big opportunity and, you know, they dropped it 63 to 48. Uh, but they're going to get an opportunity soon. Not to get too much into the forecast, but we're coming down a five-game closer until the tournament. And in that game, they have Stanford, number two. And if we take a look at the standings, I mean, it's close. Things are tight, especially in the middle of the pack. Everybody's like a game away from each other. So things could shift, you know, with the drop of a hat. Any loss, I, I think the margin for error is minuscule right now. It cannot get any smaller. But to get into further into the recaps... I think Kelly Graves might be a fan of the show and he'll be listening to us because we were talking about rolling out two bigs and he did that for the first OSU game. Yeah, you're. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, in that game, you know, we saw uh, Sedona start in the first game at OSU, Niara coming off the bench and getting more playing time than Sedona. Maybe that's like, you know, trying to not throw her right into the starting lineup right off the bat, but the two big lineup, you know, we've been kind of calling for it. And not only that, we've been fans of it. So maybe this is the new foundation going forward. I know that Oregon State has kind of had, you know, they focus a little bit more on bigs. They have, you know, not the traditional guard lineup that we've been seeing other teams play against the the women's team. So maybe that's where the adjustment comes in. But I mean, I love it. I think the I think defensively it helps us more. I think offensively we have more of a pre- presence down low. I'm I'm calling for two bigs the entire time. I'm here for it. And yeah, I, I like that Kelly Graves uh, can adjust because that's what you're going to need. I like that they can switch things up. Tahina Pow Pow, I mean, in an offense that's been dominated by Sabali and Rogers for the better part of the season, she was fantastic. We know she's been a little hot and cold, but she led scoring 22 points, six boards. You saw Rogers take more of a back seat. I think Tahina Pow Pow even got more shots. With the 22 points leading everybody. I mean, it was a complete 180 from what we've seen, you know, and, you know, swing the ball, pick and roll, get to, get it to Sabali down low. They didn't start Sabali. They started Sedona. She got plenty of minutes still. And then they had Tahina pulling up from three and it was working. Yeah. And, you know, at the, just at the beginning of the episode, we, I mentioned that either one, India Rogers and Tahina Pow Pow can be that, you know, that flamethrower, get hot at any moment. And this is one of those games and we've mentioned before that she can drop 20 any moment. Same with uh, India Rogers. Either one can drop 20, and tonight was that night. And let me just touch on the stats a little bit. In that first Oregon State game, it was uh, we didn't shoot very well. 36.2% um, from the field, 35% from the three. I mean, we shot better from the free throw line. What really kind of put us over the put us over the hump was you know second chance points pr- points off of turnovers we took advantage of getting those opportunities back you know off the rebounds off of turnovers um kind of putting those back but this game the first game against Oregon State that was a nail biter that was a very close game both of them were both of them were close games but the first game was i mean that was intense it was and i think where you see the difference was just, I think, sloppiness. You know, the Ducks didn't have many turnovers at all, only six. And the free throw percentage was 85, 17 for 20. That's the highest I've seen it. You know, I mean, it's something that they've been struggling with. The Beavers turned it over 15 times. So, I mean, when that happens, other than that, the stats are pretty close. But when you get opportunities like that and you take advantage of them, which they did, it works. And Sedona got 22 minutes. She was on the floor a lot. And I mean, I loved what I saw. I know Oregon State's forwards did play well. They accounted for most of the points, 
but I mean, the fact that we can switch everything up schematically and can win in both more than one way, we talked about finding an identity is huge. Yeah, and it wasn't just that. It wasn't, um, Sedona didn't just start in the first game, but in the second game as well, she started as well. Um, she didn't get as many minutes. Her minutes kind of um, shrunk in that game. And uh, Niara, definitely her minutes weren't as much. We saw Kylie Watson get a few more minutes in that second game. I mean, the thing, the the game was kind of the same. It was pretty similar. I mean, it was a close game. We shot the ball very poorly. Horrible. I mean, 19% from three, uh, under 40% from the field goal, free throws, eh. We even won the turnover battle. I mean, what really set them over the point, what really put Oregon State over us was their production from their bench. Their bench was incredible. Their bench came in. They really took advantage of the the opportunities and the minutes that they got. The bench almost scored half of their points. And that just, I mean, if you look at... bench was huge. What else jumps at you? Well, they just did it for the second straight game in three days. They held Oregon under 40%. The Ducks, the the women's team, their team um, only scored about like, uh, only scored 17 bench points and the Oregon State scored 29. Excuse me, I was a little jumbled up there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, and I think they were very similar, but there were also some differences, you know, I mean... OSU, I already said it, the, their forwards played very well in the first game, and that's something that Kelly Graves saw and I think wanted to change. And they did. The The backcourt had less points, but I think when you're being more aggressive and stacking the box like that, there's a lot more personal fouls. And there were. There were 22. They sent the Beavers to the line 38 times. And in a game that was decided by six points, you know, and they went 26 from 38 from free throw. And I think I think the answer is right there in front of us. I think you know, inconsistencies and poor shooting. That's what you can chalk this one up. No doubt in my mind about that. And it wasn't just like it was, uh, you know, free throws were given to Oregon State at the beginning of the game and the tone was set right then from there. No, if 20 free throws in the fourth quarter for Oregon State, I mean, that right there, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot when you lose by six, a six-point game. And then you have a really poor second quarter where you just kind of get outscored and outworked this gives Oregon the opportunity to bounce back especially going into our schedule coming forward I mean they're playing Cal which is second worst team in the Pac-12 you're coming off a tough loss at home against uh against Oregon State the in-state rivalry um oh excuse me UCLA first right yeah UCLA first um but still one of those teams that's kind of mid to low tier pack teams that is an opportunity to take advantage of this and kind of work out the kinks what i'm looking forward to see the most in this game against ucla is the transition of more bigs you know it's becoming more of a systematical thing that we're seeing from kelly graves so if we see more bigs and uh more hustle i i mean this team can take us as far as they want to take us i'd love to see them roll out sobley and prince together because we have Kylie Watson on the bench who I think given the minutes can play very well you know she's she's kind of headstrong she had like five fouls in 13 minutes or something like that so that you want to clean up a little bit but yeah the UCLA game I really don't know because the first matchup for people who don't know was forfeit by UCLA because of injuries uh so much like Oregon I think that kind of lines up they're also in a bit of a funk two to four over these last few games uh, but the one player I'd like to highlight is guard Charisma Osborne, who is averaging 17.5 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 3.4 assists. So, you know, Pow Pow and Rogers, who had some difficulty last game, they didn't shoot very well. Uh, this is an opportunity to to go get it, get a rebound, and, and they need to play their best ball if we're going to win. 100%. I mean, either one, too, like, uh, like we've mentioned, is that either one can really pop off and become the star of the game. But I like how you brought up uh, Kylie Watson and her being able to just come off the bench and kind of play whatever, you know, however she wants to. Um, Because she, I have noticed as well, is that she's kind of like more aggressive. I mean, every team has that player where they kind of, especially a big, where they kind of put out, put out there and just say just be aggressive you know just just be aggressive try not to pick up fouls if you pick up a foul that's okay you know we're we're putting you in to give our other bigs a break 
but you are out there to make a difference. So Kylie Watson, definitely one of those players where she can go out there and be super aggressive and play really hard defense and kind of pick up those fouls, but still make an impact on the feet, on the game offensively and defensively. So when the other bigs come in, you know, when you got a big who's kind of just being super aggressive down low, you kind of like mentally and physically become exhausted as the game comes on. So imagine Kylie Watson is being super aggressive to you, and then you're like, oh my gosh, finally she's going to be out the game. I'm going to get a break. And then here comes Niara Sabali who's going to take it to your face twice as hard. So seeing that, I'm excited to see how she can um, use her minutes and and fouls to really make a difference in this upcoming game. Definitely, and that's a trademark for this Ducks team is defense and wearing the opponent down. So that's something they should lean on. But I just want to ask you, if they were to make this change, who would you want to see them pull from the starting lineup and have come off the bench? Because they have not been getting bench production lately. I mean, in the last Oregon State game, you had Sabali who scored 13. Other than that, it was, you know, Hurst with four. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked me that because that's something that I've been trying to figure out myself is that when you do pull somebody, who's it going to be? Who's been less productive or who can come in as the sixth woman and make a bigger uh, impact coming off the bench? Because with this women's team, the sixth person that comes in is more than likely going to be a big. So if you don't start Sedona, you know, Sedona is usually coming in first. If you don't start, um, you know, if Niara, because she's been coming off the bench, you know, she's been the sixth woman the past couple of games. We've seen Hurst come in and get some minutes as well. Um, but for me, I would like to see maybe... Uh, you know, I think Sydney Paris, she's been really well. So I think she should stay in the starting lineup just because she adds that added, you know, three-point presence. And also she's longer. So you're kind of getting this long lineup if you have uh, Tahina, India, Niara, uh, Sedona, and then Sydney out there. You kind of have this like really, you have these two guards that are really fast and they can play aggressive and they can go after their shots. And then you have these three, you know, forward slash bigs that can be, aggressive on defense and can move from side to side quickly. So that's the lineup that I would go with and that I would look forward to seeing. Um, but you could also transition out um, Maddie Share in there as well. Either one of those two, you're not going to see uh, India or Tahina sit down, I don't think. And Niara, I mean, the past couple of games, besides that, she's not going to be sitting. Right. Yeah. I think just maybe play it by ear, you know, because with Rogers and Pow Pow both, even Maddie Schur and Sydney Parrish, there has been a lot of inconsistency. They can be very hot, but then snap of a finger, they go cold at a moment's notice. So, you know, if maybe you roll out Tahina, she's struggling a little bit, maybe you pull her out, or, I mean, if she's landing her shots and, and on fire, ride that wave, you know? Um, but I think adjustments is key. It's hard because, I mean, this lineup works so well together, so you don't want to change too much. And they are still, you know, where... We're second in the Pac-12, so I think probably it, once we get into tournament time, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. I don't want to say lock for the tournament, but I mean, things are looking pretty good. I have no no doubts that they'll come out of this funk, and you know, once Sabley gets a little healthier and we get into the forecast, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, you know, Stanford's an amazing team, but Cal isn't really. They had a 17-point loss to Colorado, lost in overtime against Utah second worst team in the Pac-12. Yeah, and 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 their offenses ran through uh, freshman guard Jada Curry, who is um, scoring almost 20 points a game, which we've talked about before in women's basketball and men's basketball in college. Um, if you're scoring 20 points a game or close to, mm -hmm. you're an elite scorer. You're definitely going to be getting your, your shots when you want to. So what, we've been talking about guard play a lot, and the guard play is important, especially in this Cal game. Um, second tourist team in the Pac-12, like you said. I'm not really too concerned about that. The two games I am more concerned about is the UCLA because it was a forfeit. We haven't seen them play. Um, but Stanford, I mean, number two team in the nation, number one team in the uh, – in the Pac-12, they blew out Colorado, Oregon, and Oregon, I mean, sorry, blew out Colorado, Utah, and Oregon State, teams that we've seen Oregon play recently and have had tough games against. I mean, Utah, we were there. We touched on that in previous episode. Oregon State, one and one, and um, 
their leading scorer, uh, Cameron Brink, who is also the leading rebounder as well. She is the uh, she's who the team runs to, and she's a big. So this is the opportunity to take advantage of that big lineup, you know, putting in the two bigs like we've been talking about. That's excellent because I just noticed something. You look at the teams that are at the top of the women's, you know, Arizona, Stanford. Where is their strength? It's in the post. Arizona with Lauren Ware and Kate Reese. You know, Stanford, you just mentioned with Cameron Brink. I mean, what more proof do you need, you know? And then you look at the teams like Cal, Washington, USC. They run through their guards. I think that's the formula. I really do. Yeah, in the in this uh, in the women's part of the Pac-12 women's basketball is that you know it's mainly dominated by the the bigs. So be, this transition that we're seeing from Kelly Graves and the women's team kind of transitioning more bigs, maybe that's just the blueprint that is going to be throughout not only the Pac-12 tournament but the national tournament as well. So you know. I'm excited to see what happens going forward. I mean, if we can keep these bigs rolling and get the bigs more playing time, I don't see why we don't upset number two Stanford. Absolutely, because I do think we have more talented guards than the latter with India Rogers and Pow Pow. It's, I mean, we're seeing so much balance in this team, and they just got to take advantage of it, and they'll get the opportunity to do that tomorrow. UCLA, we're recording on a Tuesday, so I suppose it'll probably be Thursday the 17th when this comes out. But Stanford on the 20th, that's going to be a huge, huge game. And it's here. So go pack Matthew Knight. Show the ladies some support. Yeah, definitely. And also make sure that you're being loud. You know, I, I've noticed before in women's games, the crowd shows up. So if Big you're going to be showing up at that game, make sure that you're showing up with the intensity and energy that we have, we have the opportunity to make a difference in the Pac-12 tournament. Absolutely. Shall we get into the men's? We shall into the men. Oh boy, here we go. All right, the Ducks started their three-game homestand with a solid 68-60 win over Stanford, in which Devion Harmon absolutely shined. Uh, they then dropped an embarrassing one to Cal, but rebounded with a hard-fought win over Wazoo. Uh, Carlos, uh, just check in. How, how are your optimism levels right now? Oh, we, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the best thing I can say right there. We're we're playing on razor's edge right now. There is small room for error when it comes to this team. If you want to make if you want to make it to the tournament, we got to make some changes. And not only that, we got to make those now. The Pac-12 it's starting to look like the Pac-12 tournament is our last opportunity to make it into the tournament. Like the previous year uh, when Oregon State kind of made that last push and was able to make it to the tournament with their win, that's looking like it's going to be us. We are looking like that we're going to have to make a tournament run in the Pac-12 before we make a tournament run in the national tournament because we're dropping games that we can't drop. And they're winning bad. <laughs> These are not good wins. I mean, Stanford was just poor shooting by the Cardinals. I mean, Devion Harmon was he had a career in his best score. Harmon right? sees it, two on the timer. Rainbow two smashes which was good because Will Richardson and Jacob Young went absolutely cold. But it really shouldn't have been as close as it was. The Ducks had many opportunities to put Stanford away early, but Will just could not get his shot. I thought Dante played well, but he'll play well one game, he'll disappear the next, and I mean it's just. Right now, they're in a funk. Shooting-wise, I think they'll come out of it, but I still think that this roster is missing a big, big piece, and I think you're seeing that. I think, you know, I, I mean, I really don't know what else to say. I, I, we talked about it with Shane. This was a three-game stretch that we had to win because after this three-game stretch, you have USC, you have UCLA, and That's Arizona. tough. Exactly. And, and we're right before that, the tournament, too. We're going into that gauntlet that we talked about in the previous episode. And one thing that you, uh, one thing I want to touch on is that, you know, uh, Nafali Dante, he hasn't really been playing that many minutes. Mm. 
and we've been talking about how his production has kind of been lower and lower and lower as the season goes on. And we've been seeing Kepnog kind of get some more minutes in there. And we've been transitioning, you know, Eric Williams. Eric Williams. Let me touch on Eric Williams again. We've been seeing him almost 20 minutes a game. I mean, this guy has been playing out of his mind. He's been really coming in and trying to be that added pressure and that second or that, you know, three, four option. So the game against Stanford, like you said, Devion Harmon played one of the best games of his career. He He really came up huge. We saw, you know, Will Richardson and Jacob Young. They kind of, those are the guys that we want to rely on. They, you know, shot poorly. We couldn't get it going down low. Um, And then into the, into the Cal game, uh, you know, Will Richardson bounce back game. Yeah played really well but still poor shooting i mean i don't know if it's that the they're not feeling confident enough in their shooting so their shooting's coming off or if just the shots that they're taking are just bad shots because i mean we've talked about that the two guards can score anywhere they can they can go play a lot of iso ball and get their own shots but what is a bad shot and what is a good shot when it comes to those two guys? They're just they're not putting games together is what I'm noticing. You'll have Dante and Kepnong, who we need to play well. They'll play well, but then all of our guards will go 20% from the floor. Or it's the opposite. Our guards will have amazing games. We have no post threat. Every once in a while, the stars will align and we'll get a game <laughs> like we had against UCLA and USC. And when we do that, I think we're very hard to beat. But that has not been happening. And it seems like the cards are like taking turns. Yeah, Davion Harmon, you know, Will Richardson and Jacob Young go cold. And then the next game will, but we're missing our other two, you know? So I think it's just inconsistencies and they're just, they're, they, they look flat. Yeah. They look very, very flat. They don't look like they're in it right now. With the defense we saw from Cal and how they stifled this Oregon offense. Well, they limit them to one-on-one drives, and then Oregon just played right in their hands. Way too much dribbling, losing the ball when they got inside. And then when they did dribble, they were so out of rhythm that they did kick it out. Cal did what? Shot pressured every three. Their three-point shooting was just horrendous today. And at the other end of the floor, you know, Richardson finally I mean, got going in the second and half. Look, yeah, go ahead. I, look, I, we're not we're not horrible either we're not like we're not that's what is so concerning for me is that this lack of confidence and being able to put things together is concerning because we're not a bad team Mm. we are not we are currently 10 and 4 in the pac 12 we're 17 and 8 overall that is a good record it is now if you're looking at the national standards of course there's teams that are doing better and you know you're you're not potentially not getting that bid and we got to play through the tournament like i was just talking about but all that aside we are still a really good basketball team who, like you said, just need to put a couple more pieces together as a team, not as a players, you know, not like we need to this player. We need to add this player in. Um, I think they've kind of figured out the the role situation with Eric Williams kind of stepping up and, you know, kept on. We know how he is and the players are starting to get the minutes that they deserve. But I just think it just comes down to consistency, consistency. Consistency in the game. In the game. I mean, correct. They have had so many, like seven, eight minute stretches where they just go ice cold. And then they'll come back. I mean, they're making games closer than they should be. They did go two and one. The Cal one, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it, but I mean, Wazoo, they won. It was poor shooting, sloppy finish, but it's these cold stretches that just have been plaguing them. And it's Jacob Young, the rebound, as Oregon looking to go back on top. Down the lane, Young. Behind the back, what a pass! The no- I know that you don't want to talk on the Cal one, but let me just say that the you know it was the poor first half. The second half, we right. played a lot better. We outplayed them in the second half, no doubt about that. But the three point shooting has been horrendous, mm. horrendous. We are looking at over that three game stretch. Let me just touch on some numbers real quick. Against Stanford, thirty one point eight percent. We'll take that. It's decent for three point shooting. Of course, we want a little bit better. The Cal game. Horrendous. 18.5% from the yeah. three. And then you want to try to bounce back against Wazoo and you shoot 26.3%. I mean, what more? Like, mm. but let me just say on the counter side to that is that we have, we won in the paint in both of those games. 
not only actually, yeah, in those two games, the Stanford game, we got outscored in the paint, which is okay because we ended up coming on top, our best three-point shooting game. So looking at those games, it just it's screaming to me, if the three points not working, you got to get it into the inside. That's just that's just basketball, right? Like if you're not scoring from the outside, you got to go inside, and it seems to work out for the better when, for the for the men's team. Yeah, I just I worry that I mean I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. I just don't know if Allman has that confidence. You know, I mean we've been screaming for a while to move the ball more, you know, create more shots, and they're still kind of doing the same thing. And I don't know if that's he doesn't have the the trust in Dante and Kepnong down low, which I mean I think you have to. I mean, when Richardson is going ice cold like that, Harmon, Young, when we're not getting our threes, Eric Williams has scored like four games in these last three. I mean, you got to change something up, right? I mean, next up, we're, we're going into this gauntlet, and you're not going to win a lot of games when you're shooting that poorly from three. Uh, winning down low is encouraging, and they've been good defensively, and I, I don't feel like they've had a lot of turnovers especially in that Wazoo game, they were excellent in transition, which is a staple. That's something we've said they need to continue, wear teams down. And I mean, I would just love to see more fans in the stands. Matthew Knight was a crypt. Yeah, that's that's another part is that I'm like bringing that up. When we looked at like teams like Arizona, so the LA teams, that was a different story because of where they're at and their regulations. So I'm not sure that they're really trying to bring a lot of fans into their arenas. But when you go to Colorado, when you go to Arizona and potentially, I mean, Arizona State, you know, we're about to go on this Arizona road trip. And then we're also about to go on, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. UCLA and USC, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're about to play. Cal trip. Except those are both at home, actually. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah. And um, so what I was trying to say is that the. Uh, when you travel to teams like Arizona and Colorado, um, those those places are loaded. Like the the arenas are packed with with fans and students. So you you got to get used to this environment of playing um, away. And then when you come home, and you have the potential to pack the arena, and it's not really that packed. I I mean that kills my confidence just hearing about it and then seeing it too. So I can only imagine what it's like for the players. So we kind of got to. I mean, it's a part of people showing up, but it's also part of the winning attitude, you know, mm-hmm. when you're dropping tough games and, you know, you're you're not playing at your best, you know, not a lot of people want to come out and see that, which is a little discouraging. I think that just only makes it worse. You know, it's that it's that 12th man or I guess sixth man in basketball. Uh, I think that's a reason why Colorado and these teams have been playing at such a high level. Uh, Colorado, maybe not of, of lately, but in the series against the Ducks, they most certainly did. Uh, yeah, I mean, we need, this is a good team. You know, I mean, we look at the standings, they're tied for second with USC and they're going into this gauntlet. If they come out with a winning record, I think we're solid. I think they, they do well in the PAC 12 tournament. I think they get a bid in the NCAA tournament. That's a great resume builder and maybe make some noise, maybe unseat, they'll probably get a lower seed, but maybe unseat, a a higher team. And I think the PAC 12 as a whole considering the run that they made last year is a little worse. They've dialed back. I mean, this is tough. These were not fun games, but I have confidence that they'll come out of it. And I don't think Will Richardson is going to stay this cold for long whatsoever. And Davion Harmon, if he can put together the game he had against Stanford with Jacob Young playing on the defensive end and Dante playing well down low, this that's a recipe for success. Right. And this team has the, has the ability to bounce back and kind of become the team that they're supposed to be because when you see a guy like um Devion Harmon drop or drop 22 points and have one of his best games you're like whoa 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 this guy's like you know potentially number three number four option offensively like I mean obviously you're gonna go uh Richardson first more than likely he's probably he's your go-to he's your go-to and then I mean young more than likely second, potentially third, if you're trying to go inside to Dante. And then, you know, you look at Davion Harmon, who's more of a defensive-minded guard. He can drop 20 points. I mean, that's that's a big factor. And then also you see the role players starting to come in. Like we'd said, dropping these three games previously, or not the three, 
all three games, but dropping the game to Cal right. and the two, you know, that kind of weird stretch where it's like we had to pull those out before we go in this really tough stretch of games. I mean, this is only the the chance of, you know, coming together and kind of finding our identity to who we want to be when it comes to tournament time. Because, I mean, it's we're halfway through February. Yeah. March Madness is next month. Next month. Two weeks. Yeah. The tournament is le- probably about a month from today or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So the room for air is very slim and the opportunity for an upside is through the roof. Yeah, I think we're at the point in the season where we've seen this team at their best and we've seen the team at its worst. And I think you can see what went wrong and what went right. It's just about eliminating those those peaks and valleys and putting together consistency. I think offensively, our strength isn't even really from three-point. Obviously, they've been missing. It's from the mid-range and it's in transition. It's being quick. It's playing defense. Uh, I like the off-ball cuts that I've seen. You have in Jacob Young and, and Will pop, like crash down. Against Stanford, that didn't really work because they're huge. But against, we got ASU coming up. I think that's something maybe you lean on. I don't know how their roster stacks up exactly, but what do you like and what what don't you like? What do you think they should lean on? I think that they should lean on, um, you know, trying to get the... It's just so hard because every time I've seen them try to get the 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 post presence going and the you know the paint presence going when you're throwing directly into the paint or you're going for a direct post up i mean the pick and roll doesn't really i don't think really plays into as much as i'm what i'm talking about but when you're going directly to the paint it hasn't been as successful as it has been when you're like you said off ball cutting and getting points that way or potentially just God forbid, iso ball into yeah. the paint. I mean, those are the paint points that we, you know, will take. But if we can get that that paint presence going with a big, and we can see the uh, you know, Kepnog and Dante kind of get a post presence. You know, maybe they're back to the post, or maybe a pick and roll, or some off ball cutting. I think that right there is going to be a difference maker because with somebody like Will Richardson who is getting double teamed and is getting a lot of presence outside the three point and kind of defenses are surrounding around him. Getting that paint presence going creates an opportunity to where the defense crashes down in the paint. And then you have guys who can shoot lights out from the three potentially have that opportunity to score 20 plus a game because there's that paint presence. That's what I want to see. I want to see a paint presence be established early on you know the iso ball at the beginning of the game the shooting threes at the beginning of the game off of just you know a single pick it hasn't been the recipe that we've needed going forward i think a lot of ball movement which you've been talking about religiously the past few games the past few weeks ball movement and securing an inside post presence are the two keys to what can push us into the next level i mean the like I've been saying, the tournament's almost here. This is the last few stretches, especially this gauntlet here. Yeah. If we can come out of this gauntlet on top with at least two wins, fingers crossed, I think that we are make it, we're going to make a statement that not only do we deserve to be a higher seed in the Pac-12 tournament, but also secure a bid for the bigger tournament. I mean, yeah, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, just to touch back on your keys, but ASU is a bigger team. They have a 6'9 post, Jalen Graham, who's a player to watch out for. So I would expect the Ducks probably to lean on the shooting a little bit more, at least for this game. I mean, it's an opportunity. We definitely have the advantage in the backcourt. This ASU game, they're not a very good team. So it's a chance to build some confidence, kind of pad that record a little bit before we head into this gauntlet. But yeah, I mean, how do you see that shaping out with, with the Arizona and the Cal games? Do you think... Do you think we come out of that alive or are we, are we heading into a slaughter? I mean, I'm, I'm never gonna, uh, I have always been never bet on your own team. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a betting man, but if I were to bet, I would, um, we're more than likely going to be the underdogs in in this coming stretch. I think so. Um, but if you know anything about betting, I would take the underdog and you get the higher reward out of it. 
Arizona, what I've noticed about the whole entire Pac-12, especially seeing us drop that game to Cal, is that the entire Pac-12 can beat anybody in the Pac-12. I mean, there's opportunities. There's a few teams in there that you're like, eh, maybe not. Let's, mm. you know, the bottom of the pack, they're like, eh. But anywhere from like mid, mid low to mid pack up, I mean, anybody can give anybody a run for the money. I let's touch on Washington State against Arizona. They played a few days ago. And Washington State was giving Arizona a run for their money. Yeah. They they were very close to upsetting Arizona. So that just gives me even more confidence that we can come out on top of that one. But I mean, this first we need to get through Arizona State, which is somebody that we absolutely, no doubt, need to beat. I think maybe that's why there were some struggles. You know, maybe they were overlooking these teams, which is a mistake. You can't do that. That's fatal because as you just mentioned, anybody can beat anybody. If you take a look at the standings from, I mean, really the second place spot all the way to eight, three games. It's that close. Then you kind of fall off a cliff once you get to nine, ASU, Cal. Those are the worst teams. I mean, this is going to be huge. I think if they beat Arizona State, hopefully uh, they play Thursday. Uh, at Arizona, if they come out of that game with a win, I would be feeling I, I'd be on you know on top of the world because then you're back home against UCLA and USC with all that confidence and that momentum, and then you got the Washington schools. I would hope those would be wins, uh, but if I had to guess, I think three and zero might be a little too unrealistic. Uh, the Arizona game is going to be tough, tough, tough to win. But I love, we already beat UCLA, USC this time at home uh, against ranked teams. So you hope the fans are going to show out. I think, I think they could, I think they could definitely take advantage of those and get some wins and then pad their resume and go into the tournament feeling, feeling confident with a chance to win. I just want to add something too, is that beating, I mean, if we drop the two games to, uh, USC and UCLA. I, think I don't it. think that's the end of the world. No, no, I don't think so. But we have to be Arizona and Arizona State. I think if we split it two two in this road trip, it won't be the end of the world. Just because we have those those wins in um, against U USC and UCLA, right. so we kind of sure. already established that win there. But winning in Arizona, I think, is the biggest challenge so far this year. This is the game right here. That is the biggest test of what this team is because they're top ranked team. They're in the uh, in Arizona, which is one of the hardest places to play in after that's, you know, that's midway through your your stretch here, the, the week stretch that we're in. I think that right there is going to be a defining moment of what this team is capable of. And if we can pull th that game out. That's going to make a bigger impact on or it's going to make just as big as an impact is when we went to USC and UCLA and pulled out those two wins. You know, it's kind of the same like level of uh, what this team is capable of. Well, and if they do, then you beat all three. Right. You beat all three ranked teams in the Pac-12. So, I mean, that's huge. But if you do lose right now, they're at 10 and four in the Pac-12. So. I mean, that would just be brutal. I mean, brutal. say you go, you know, one and three with, you know, 11 and seven after the stretch. I mean, you're not looking too bad, but if you split it two and two, I mean, that's then you're looking at 12 and 12 and six, right? Yeah. And then you maybe you close out with the UW games. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're closing out with the Washington teams, which I mean, We've, we've had enough to say had, about yeah yeah <laughs> that was, yeah that um, that's a that's an episode for next week and we'll have uh something to say about those but i mean i just worry about out of conference too because they did lose to houston and baylor the two ranked teams they played out of conference they also lost to byu which is terrible so if they don't perform well in conference what's the argument right because the the conference the conference play is what matters like i mean the out of conference play those are like good you know you, you kind of mm -hmm. see other teams across right. across the nation but the conference play is what really matters the most when it comes to getting your bid into the cuz the ultimate goal is getting to the tournament right right and 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 every college for every college team the ultimate goal is to get to the tournament cuz that's where you're going to make the biggest splash and the biggest impact on what your entire season is meant for so i think those three 
you know, you mentioned BYU, which was kind of like, you know, early, early season. Was early. That was the that was the PK tournament too. So like that's one of those like weird things. I mean, I always think if any of the Oregon teams, if they play in that tournament, they should be favorite. They should definitely be playing for a lot more than just the tournament um, because you're playing in the state. But Baylor, I mean, that's one of those games that we dropped, but it was super close. Houston, a little bit different. But if you take into consideration those games and then you take into consideration of the ranked teams that are in the pack that we've beat, I think the pack teams make more of an impact than the the, the teams that we lost to outside of the pack just because we see them more than once. So it's not just a one-time we lost to them. We'll never see him again. This is like, we get to play you again. And right. we have an opportunity to show you that we're better than you again. So I think those those wins and those games matter more than the out-of-conference games to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. And the Pac-12 tournament matters more than any of these games. Because, you know, if you come out, like if we split, you are in a pretty good spot. But then you have to perform well in the tournament. Uh, but we saw some teams last year, like UCLA, who kind of came alive in the tournament, didn't have an amazing regular season. So it can happen. Uh, but but we're getting into the nitty gritty. And as a, a basketball fan, a college basketball fan, I'm just so excited for this next month. Yeah, same here. And I just I, I actually wanted to throw something in else that I was thinking about this morning is that, you know, in college basketball, I feel like if you're not. You know, there's kind of like this uh, stigma towards teams that if you're not like 20 and one or you're not like close to being undefeated, like I don't know what it is about sports, not only college sports, but professional sports that if you're not undefeated or if you're not close to being undefeated, you're not a well, te- you're like you're not a great team. Yeah, not true at all. Or you're not. Especially like, not in college basketball. Exactly. And, and you're not the team that people should be looking out for. So when I'm thinking about like tournament time, like there's teams that people are like this team is going to be you know take the tournament or this team is the team that nobody's going to beat you know and when you put stack up Oregon against these teams like you know this gauntlet that we're about to go in there's probably people out there more than likely saying like why would you even think that Oregon's going to beat these teams when look at their record like don't look at the record look at what they've accomplished and what they can accomplish right so when it comes to like sports especially college basketball we got to put the records like like into consideration, but not the defining moment of what this team can be, especially this Oregon team who has won big games, lost games that they shouldn't have, but also maintain relevancy to where they can be the number one team in the Pac-12 at the end of the tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, excuse me. Trust your eyes, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the biggest things. This team is... As long as you have Will Richardson, you're going to have a shot in the tournament. Uh, But once they get into that, if there's one thing that I feel is going to hold them back, it's it's the sloppy finishes. That's and and this the cold stretches in the tournament. um, I mean, I'm going to say it again, margin Frere. I know we've been we've been hitting on it a lot, especially in the tournament. That can't happen. You saw a team like UCLA, who was an 11 seed, make it to the Final Four. If you can't close out games. Because every game is going to be this. It's going to be very, very close. So that's something they have to clean up. And I mean, I, I think they could definitely unseat a, a top seed because these, the Pac-12 is cannibalizing each other right now. And I think that's going to make the teams better. It's kind of priming them for this run. So I think if I had to make a prediction, I think the teams that will come out and play in the uh, college tournament, you're pro- you're definitely going to see Arizona. Uh I think the Ducks get in. I think UCLA gets in. USC? Potentially. Potentially. I think probably. I think those are your teams. But I feel like the Pac-12 always gets done dirty in the seedings. So. And not, and that's just in every, every aspect of sports. I yeah. mean, other than like because we've had a dominant women's team the past, you know, you know three, four years, even like a little bit past uh, before that, is that – you know the women's team has getting more recognition from the women's basket the women's tournament committee so that's a little different but these committees in the men's basketball team and especially touching back to like let's say college football is that you know the Pac-12 doesn't get the respect it, it deserves yep. and anybody who is 
a fan of any of the Pac-12 teams or even a fan of Oregon com- can completely agree with that. That's not something that we're just, you know, making up and trying to create some sort of uh, some sort of storyline for. You know, that's just something that we've seen over and over again. So I can see, like, if we do drop a few games and we don't play up to our potential that we do get snubbed out of this. But there is that chance that we get back in. And I agree with you. I'm not sure about USC. I mean, they almost, you know, they played Arizona State, almost lost to them too. That was a really close game that I I was keeping my eyes on. Um, So they're kind of that weird team that, you know, they, they might not get in. We might jump them for that. But I like how you brought up finishing games. Just to wrap this up is that that's like the biggest thing that we've been talking about. I mean, we're in week, we've, this is episode five. And from episode one, I feel like we've been talk, talking on and touching on, we have to finish games. It was fresh off those California games, which right. we won, but the UCLA one, I like, went into overtime off of like an inbound pass that was stolen. So yeah, I mean, that that definitely can't happen. And I mean, I'm glad you brought up, I mean, college football, we don't want to get too off topic, but I think, is much worse than college basketball. It's a lot more regional. It's kind of the SEC dominates everything. That's not the case in basketball. I don't think, you know, the Ducks are going to be, you know, blackballed going into the tournament. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. It's, I I just love the tournament so much. I'm so excited for it. It's like one of the best times of the year right there. It is that time of the episode where we acknowledge our pro Ducks. Carlos, who is our pro Duck for this week? We are going to be looking at a Oregon alumni from the women's team. Her younger sister plays on the team right now. We're going to be looking at Satu Sabali, who is playing overseas at the moment. Um, she is in the Euro League, and um, she's averaging almost 20 points a game. She's been making a difference on her team over there, and we would just like to say that she is our pro duck. It runs in the family. You know, what more can you say? Hit that track. I forgot to hit this. Where's it at? There it is. Satu Sabli, congratulations. Yeah, for our first uh, woman product. We yeah, it was time. Yeah, I'm excited to actually like talk about women, especially basketball players, is because you know WNBA isn't in season right now. But like I said, she's playing overseas in the Euro League. Looking back at Satu here, she was dominant. I mean. Mm. She, everybody thought she was going to, like, she was the, the older sister. She was most dominant. Then Niara came in. Niara has been absolutely dominant. She did face that injury. We could have potentially saw them play together. That would have been a sight to see. So much fun. Um, but, yeah, with WNBA coming up, too, you know, we're, um, we'll be touching on a little bit more of that. The two um, gentlemen that we mentioned last week that were our products, they ended up getting their rings. Yes, they did. Justin Hollins and Johnny Mont. Congrats to those guys. Congrats to them. They, they're they walking away with championship rings. And then um, NBA, same players. Um, I mean, Chris Duarte, this guy is, he's becoming, with the Indiana Pacers, he's becoming their guy. This guy's averaging almost 40 minutes a game. So if you're checking, that's the men's product. We'll probably mention him a couple more times. Probably, yeah, they've sold the team. He's, he's definitely stepping into his spot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love to see any duck win a Super Bowl. So, congrats to Sato Sabali, and uh, I think that's a wrap for this week. We will see you guys next week, and go ducks, go ducks. <laughs>